1: Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Kansas City Chiefs traveled to Santa Clara this week to take on the San Francisco 49ers. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. They've got their fresh batch of marinated takeaways after the Chiefs' Week 6 loss to the Buffalo Bills. After that, it's out of structure. They discuss some question marks for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward this season. After that, we'll follow things up with the Great British Chiefs show. They previewed the San Francisco 49ers. Then we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll hear from Chiefs coast to coast. They discussed the Kansas City Chiefs freeing up some cap space this week with the Travis Kelsey restructure and some possible free agent moves they could be interested in. Odell Beckham Jr., possibly. After that, we'll finish things up with show and BK. Brandon Kiley was out this week, so it was just myself and Ron the show Hughley. We discuss what the Chiefs have to do on Sunday when they have the ball to come away with a victory against the 49ers. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week.
2: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. The music still slaps even after the Chiefs lose a game 24-20 to to the Buffalo Bills. It's now time for our world-famous marinated takeaways and these are a little tougher to talk about when the Chiefs are not able to come away with victory, John. But as usual, it is an an age versus beauty type deal, especially for today. And so we're going to let you take over first. What is your first marinated takeaway from this game? Well, one thing that I liked about
3: this game, um, I mean, I totally didn't expect it. I was expecting, you know, both teams to score 30 plus points. Uh, Unlike Tony Romo, I did not see a defensive battle coming. And um, uh, and I I was encouraged by the fact that the Chiefs actually held the Bills to so few points, and um, and didn't give up more than seventeen until what, like a minute and a half, minute and twenty seconds left in the game or something. Um, I think if you had asked almost any Chiefs fan. Um, you know, would it, would the defense allowing 24 points to Buffalo be enough, they would have said, well, yeah, duh. So I, I found that encouraging. The problem of course is the Buffalo defense was also better than it was yeah. <laughs> last year and better. it, and it, and it turned into a, a, a problem for the chiefs. Vaughn Miller was everything he was advertised to be. And I also think that he was, um, uh, very motivated. Well, was he zero and five against Mahomes? I think going into this game, and I, I think he felt like he had a lot to prove. And that's a that's a that's a, a really good player with a really big motivation. He's a, a situation like that. He's going to be a problem. And uh, but but still. Uh, I found that to be an encouraging thing from the game, that there's actual concrete evidence that the defense, despite the problems that it has and the young players that were out there, et cetera, did a pretty good job in the big picture.
2: Yeah, Von Miller was an addition that like, the Bills didn't need it necessarily. It was a luxury addition. The Bills were already the class of the AFC mm-hmm. East. Yeah, it wasn't to win a division. Von Miller, after the game, he had two quarterback hits, two sacks. And after the game, a longtime Bronco, and the Chiefs have been killing the Broncos now for five, mm-hmm. six years, years running. He said, a lot of times I come here and I'm, I'm not in here smiling. Tonight I'm smiling. And it, it's, it's motivating for him, and, and I think it was motivating for him, not only just because he's lost so much at Arrowhead Stadium, but just the idea that they brought Von in to beat the Chiefs. They bought it, brought him in to win the conference that getting pressure on Allen, that the chiefs are not doing maybe with, with three or four guys they want to be able to do in Buffalo. And that's why they brought Von Miller to the team. And last night it got them the win that they were looking for. Now we'll see if these two teams meet up again, if that, if that can happen again, last year, let's not forget. That the bills did win in the regular season and the chiefs got them in the playoffs mm-hmm. which when you would take right. 100 out of 100 times, but Let's make it clear. Von Miller was brought in to beat the Chiefs, not the Patriots, the Jets, or the Dolphins in their own division. They they feel comfortable winning their division with, with their quarterback and their defense. So, hey, uh, one for one on the move. You got to tip your cap in that sense, and and I'd agree with you. I think that's a, a good point, John. My first marinated takeaway here, used to have a, a, a high school girlfriend, and, uh, <laughs> you know, back in the day. It's been a while <laughs> since I've been in high school. The... The girlfriend's mom was divorced, but she had a, a boyfriend named Bob. And Bob was an interesting cat. Real thick New York, Long Island type of accent and love boxing and movies. And, and we were talking about the Rocky series one day. And he goes, you know what, Pete? Not every prequel needs a sequel. Rocky 1 was odd. Rocky 2 and them after, they were all for money. And what does that mean? Yeah, not every prequel needs a sequel. Not that we are not going to get more Chiefs-Bills games, but just the idea that every single game might live up to the 13-second game is just it's, it's unrealistic, and I think we learned that the, the hard way last night. And I'm, I'm trying to take the fandom out of it in a sense, John. Like Let's pretend no, we don't care about the Chiefs or the Bills and we're just fans of, of football. That game stunk. It was sloppy. It was not a ton of scoring. It was uh, mundane at times. It was boring. I I really felt like, you know, neither team's quarterback. I know that Allen ended up with a good stat line, but for largely a lot of the game, not really playing their best Mm -hmm. perfect game of football that we're used to. And that we maybe saw in that playoff game. And so I I think it's just a reminder that like, while we're embracing a game, like the 13 second game, you got to realize that the, the chances of that type of game happening again, even with the same two teams and largely the same cast of characters, it's, it's unrealistic. Now, maybe I'll eat my words and, and we'll see if the Chiefs end up having to go to Central New York to play a playoff game, which would change it a little bit. I think it would make for an interesting dynamic, not not necessarily a welcome one. in Kansas City long time to go to see if that'll even be a possibility. But I, I think it, a crappy game, a crummy game like this gives you more pre- appreciation for the 13 second game. And I'm not even saying that because the Chiefs won. It just was a much more memorable and fun game of a mm-hmm. lifetime, and I and I think you appreciate that when you get the same guys back and you know the game wasn't wasn't as good. It's just something I had been thinking about this morning.
3: Well, and of course, part of the attraction of the thirteen-second game was how many points were scored in that two-minute period, right. which I calculated the other day It was twenty-five points. It's nuts in the last uh, two minutes and five seconds of regulation. Or no, it was one fifty-five. I think so. It was under two minutes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a lot of scoring in a very short period of time. And I agree with you, Pete, that you're not likely to see that again in, you know, in a series between two teams. But it happened again yesterday. It just wasn't fraught with so much uh, emotion as it was uh, back in the playoffs. The Chiefs got the ball with 12 seconds left in the first half and scored a field goal. So, you know, it's not like it can't happen again. It's just that there was a, a, uh, what do I want to call this? A perfect storm of circumstances yeah. to make that the thing, the 13 second drive
2: that, you know, you know
3: the, and that may be hard to ever see anything
2: like that again. I, I'm, I'm with you. I just felt like yesterday for all the hype, little bit of a snooze fest. Yeah. You know, like, it, was yeah little, it was boring. You know, I just, I don't know. I, I yeah. that's just how I came away from it. No, well, was, you're
3: right about that. They had that, that playoff game was a lot more exciting than Sunday's game was. There's no question about that.
2: All right, John, continue on.
3: Um, Okay. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the running game. I mean, we kind of covered this here with, with Andy's mm-hmm. remarks, but um, it's such a, such a frustrating topic, I think for a lot of fans. Especially fans of the Chiefs who maybe grew up watching Marty Schotten's, Schottenheimer's team. And, you know, if we just had a, a good quarterback who could throw downfield in those days, <laughs> it's, you know, if you could marry. So you're
2: interested in seeing Pat with the Nigerian nightmare. Right.
3: Right. It. Exactly. I mean, it's because that was the problem. And and in fact, you know, uh, Marty brought in. Uh, Paul Hackett, you know, to install the West Coast offense and get chunks of yardage, as Marty put it. And it just never worked, even with bringing in uh, quarterbacks who'd worked in the West Coast offense in San Francisco on multiple occasions until Joe, well, actually, Montana was the first, but uh, he was the only one who was really able to be very successful with it. Um, So, you know, with that background, it's not hard for Chiefs fans to feel like if we can't get the running game going, we can't succeed on offense because we were raised essentially people of my age certainly were yeah. well and, and younger too, I suppose um, that, that we were raised to think that it all begins with the running game. I'm not so sure that's true, at least as true as it used to be, but we also see uh, that uh, uh, the variant of the West Coast offense that the Chiefs run uh, sometimes just doesn't working like it should. And you have to wonder if it would be more effective if they ran, if they ran the ball better and more often. And I, I you know, they are staying very close to that 70-30 split on pass versus rush it's really unusual for the Chiefs to stray more than a point or two away from that ratio. So it's apparently quite deliberate, and I think a lot of people like to see it change, but I'm not sure that it will with Andy Reid as the head coach.
2: I just think it needs to more so now than ever without Tyreek Hill. I just think it was different mm. with when you had Hill on this yeah. team. It made a lot more sense to go 70-30. You have to win a little bit more methodically now and a little bit more strategically, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where I just think... And I'm not saying 50 50, you have Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, right, right. Uh, that throw that was taken away due to Creed Humphrey being down the field was nuts. I can't believe that's not, never going to count. Um, but you, so you're, of course, going to be throwing all, you know, more than running. I, I just would like to see it be a little closer. And and speaking of that push, kind of leads me into my second marinated takeaway. There's a little bit of a bold marinated takeaway. Uh oh, here we go. Half, half empty. Half BP, which, of course, is bold prediction. Lucas Niang, I think, is going to get an opportunity this season to start. Uh, I don't know when. We are, That's a little unclear as health at this point. And mm-hmm. when you're dealing with an, a knee injury, not only do you need to be – this is what the delay is. Not only do you need to be back, but you need to be back enough to practice. And then even after he's ready to practice, he's going to have to get into – what, what do we hear all the time, John? Football, Football shape. shape. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's going to take time, too. So I'm not saying that this is happening next week. By week will help after the 49ers game. Um, and I also want to say this, too. Like, I like Andrew Wiley, and there's a lot of money that tells me that Orlando Brown is not going to be the one replaced. And so I think at a certain point, when you're not getting enough push, when there are times where the uh, pass protection is a little not so great you're going to want to maybe shake things up. We've we've seen the the Chiefs shake up their offensive line in in recent years here. I remember Ryder was replaced at a certain point. They've mixed up tackles before, Mm -hmm. especially at that right tackle position, trying to rotate guys where uh, maybe Mike Remmers was not great. So you're trying different things. That's where Niang was getting opportunities before he suffered his season-ending injury. And so it's a little bit of a bold prediction. So don't kill me here if I'm wrong about this one. But I just think the way things are going with this line at a certain point, Maybe you do see a replacement. And if Niang is not ready or let's say for argument's sake, never ready enough this season, which sometimes that happens as well, especially when you're you're dealing mm-hmm. with uh, knee issues, maybe the Prince Prince Tegu gets, gets a crack here uh, at a certain point. I know that they've been high on him in the past. So who knows if maybe he gets, gets the nod at, at right tackle. Uh, I think when your tackles are not playing well, it, it, it really hurts the rest of your line. The chiefs have an elite interior. They have an elite quarterback and these tackles playing a little bit poorly at times is, is hurting those two areas where you, you are really strong and, and it, and it's a, it's a shame, I think in a sense. And I, I wonder if the chiefs do something about it eventually. Well, you might be right. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> Niang has missed so much time
3: in his NFL career. Uh, first with the opt out in the COVID year. And then with this injury, I would even wonder if the three weeks that they get to uh, designate him for return will be enough for them to make a decision about whether he's (laughs) ready to go or not. You know, Uh, and um, uh, so I, you know, he's going to have some rust on him, and I think that will enter in to a certain extent uh, to any calculation about putting him on the field. Now they may designate him for return, get the three weeks in, activate him to the roster, you know, do all those things. And then he may be inactive uh, for much of the season until they get him, you know, ready to go. I mean, what if if he plays the last two weeks of the season and into the playoffs and makes a difference?
4: Well, while we're at our question marks, um, there's somebody that has not been a question mark for me much this year at all Uh, but I I see a lot of chatter about Nick Bolton this week and how um, you know some people see the plays that he makes and they say Bolton's been outstanding and others have looked at him this year and said he's taken a step back from last year somehow and he's part of the problem especially when it comes to the run defense where do you stand on Bolton or what have you seen from him so far uh, do you have questions about him?
5: Well, you know, we've seen these last few weeks. The the D has absolutely been gashed, right? The Raiders and the Bills both had a lot of success, especially early. Um, the Bills, especially early in the game, running on the Chiefs defense, even when they're in their base personnel. We mentioned that the Bills were were, were forcing the Chiefs, or maybe we didn't mention it yet, but the, the Bills were actually forcing the Chiefs into their base personnel early and often in this game by just staying in, in 21 personnel with their fullback in the game. But spreading it out and throwing, or even just doing play action off of it. But even when they did run, there there were some gashes. And and one of the things that stands out to you is 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 Bolton trying to you know trying to defend the run. It just seems like he's he's maybe taking his time a little bit, allowing that fullback or allowing that lineman to get on him first, rather than Bolton kind of uh, you know engaging and kind of being the attacker on it. And it has led to to maybe some 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 runs uh, going a little further than than we'd like to see. You know, and, and that's just something where. You know, I I do think there is something to maybe Willie Gay not being in this, not being next to him might might lower his ceiling as a run defender. Right. I think when you have a disruptor like Willie Gay next to you, it really makes it easy to be the cleanup guy. And Bolton's the perfect cleanup guy. Right. He makes he, he doesn't miss tackles. He He's a tackling machine. But, I you know, there there are definitely some things where if you want to point to the run defense not looking as good the last couple of weeks, it does seem like Bolton's maybe been a little, a little less uh, aggressive, a little less attacking right off the snap towards the line of scrimmage, and maybe that's part of the game plan. I'm not sure, but but it but it is on the film a little bit, um, and 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 the fact is he's doing that while still making plays. But I think that is what people are, are pointing to, Stags, and 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 I've seen it a little bit as well.
4: You know, it's one of those things where a guy certainly has his limitations, but you try to draw trends in a season that's only six games deep so far and you know prior to the Raiders game we were talking about how this run defense was off the charts like oh, yeah. they were completely dominant obviously Tampa Bay didn't even try to run the ball but before that even before that they had a couple of games where they were really really good against the run so was Bolton the reason that they were good against the run and now the reason that they're bad against the run um, or are there are there other factors in there to me a lot of the run issues this week, uh, at least on the, the broadcast, was, uh, was tackling. There was a lot of uh, opportunities to bring a guy down, and it, and it just didn't happen. And that was a little bit of an issue, I think, last week uh, against the Raiders as well. But, you know, Bolden, like you said, is probably the most sound tackler on the team. And, and you know, arguably, across the league, he's, he's up there when it comes to that uh, ability to wrap somebody up, uh, to be a clean tackler. Uh, you know, he had, he had 13 tackles, nine solo this week, two tackles for loss. He's going to be amongst the league leaders in tackles, yeah. uh, and, and having those two tackles for loss, uh, that's been a fairly consistent theme for me. So yeah, I think he had, he struggled maybe a little bit in the first half or, or got blocked a little bit in the first half. We don't know his assignments there. We don't know if he was, um, part of the plan to, to spy Josh Allen. We don't know what the, what the reads there were, um, but in the second half, it did, it did seem like he was attacking a little bit more, uh, made some plays. Um, I personally, you know, I haven't noticed a lot of this uh, this issue that, that, that folks are pointing out. Um, but even if that were a prominent issue or concern, I feel like he makes enough plays uh, to, to outweigh that to the point where, why are we talking about Bolton in a game like this? Why <laughs> is Nick Bolton the guy that you're concerned about? You've got... Well, let's get to our stats of the week. Um, but you've got a couple of tackles who, you know, arguably are are, are struggling as much as any in the league. Um, and you know, in a game like this where they hold the the Bills to twenty four points uh, on offense, uh, I mean, yeah, they had what one hundred and twenty five yards rushing. That's not uh, catastrophic uh, from a rushing standpoint. And you know, thirty-two of those were by the quarterback, which who, who you expect to run for for substantial yardage. But they had a lot of carries, and you know, uh, thirty-one carries total uh, for one hundred twenty-five yards is not uh, a terrible run performance either. It's really, to me, the issues of this game were more on the offensive side of the ball. And so, yeah, my stats of the week this week, Andrew Wiley now leads the NFL in sacks allowed with six. And Orlando Brown Jr., his partner on the other side, <laughs> leads the league in hurries allowed. So both of these guys, top six in the NFL in pressures allowed. Mahomes has a way of avoiding sacks to, to a pretty ridiculous extent sometimes. Sure, Mahomes' style of play probably leads to more pressures than maybe some other quarterbacks because he's running around in, into uh, into pressure and maybe going – the opposite way from where he should go sometimes, uh, or or drop him back too far or whatever. But all of that said, I think the Chiefs have a tackle problem.
5: Yeah, I would say that's an understatement. Um, you know, it, it, it it's very apparent in these games where, where the other team has a as a premier rusher to to throw at one of them because um, you can't chip both sides. And and yeah, you know, ideally you chip whatever side Bon Miller's on or whatever. But it's 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 never that easy, honestly. It, it really isn't. Um, and and you saw whenever Von Miller got those one on ones with, with one of those guys in those three man rush opportunities, you know, he got Von Miller got the best of both of them and it, and, and it, and it messed up a third down play in a, in a couple times in the fourth quarter. And I like those stats because it does kind of make sense to me. I do think Wiley has just gotten beaten, you know, cleanly more often, right? Where it's just like, boom, he's gotten beaten. The guy's headed right to Mahomes. We saw that with Max Crosby. We saw that this week with Von Miller. Orlando Brown. He's not getting as, as just as beat cleanly as often, but it just seems like there's so many times a guy is able to get around the edge and and make Mahomes either flush to the right or, or kind of just uh, escape the pocket to some extent. So I think those stats really speak to how those two have played, how those two have played, and and you know when they don't play premier edge rushers, it's going to look a lot better. And 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 remember that as as we get in the season, as we play different teams. But we saw the teams we're going to see in the playoffs, you know, whether it's the Bills, right, you know, with Von Miller, whether it's, it was the, you know, any of these AFC West teams, if, if the Chargers turn it around, you know, who they have. That's who they're going to see when it matters most. And, and that's where this is concerning, Staggs, is that these offensive tackles just seem to not be able to hold up against top tier edge rushing. Well, guess what? Every team in the AFC did this offseason to counter the Chiefs was get top tier edge rushing. So not good. Not good. What do you got for us for stats of the week? So real quick, defense, shouting out defense. I want to shout out Colin Saunders. Uh, d- defensive tackle, he's the guy who plays. He's actually starting to play a little more, especially now that Turk Wharton's hurt. But this guy leads the entire defensive line room in tackles, yet plays the least snaps out of anybody that's been you know healthy, obviously, throughout the whole season, besides Malik Herring, who's played very sparingly. The guy has six more tackles than any other defensive lineman. The second most is Frank Clark with 13 to- combined tackles. Colin Saunders has 19 combined tackles this year. He also has three quarterback hits. So just wanted to shout out Colin, dude. That, that, that guy is working in his limited snaps.
4: I love that play this week, by the way, where uh, Allen rolls Alvin Saunders is chasing him. Uh, and I think Allen kind of gave this look like, how is this guy still running? Right. Like, cause he's just a, you know, he's the, he's a pretty round fella. Oh yeah. Uh, with Colin Saunders, but to see him out there running with Josh Allen uh, w- was pretty cool.
5: Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of him is, and why he was a third round pick is he's this stout dude that looks like he should be able to handle playing one tech or nose tackle over the center, taking on double teams, but he's also a penetrator, very athletic. It's probably actually what he's best at obviously is, is penetrating. So Shout out Colin, but I do want to, you know, we've been talking about the offense kind of sputtering as of late. Now, if you see if you saw my tweet, tweet on Monday, you already know this, but the Chiefs' fourth order offense has been has been very bad this year. Um, and and I and I proved it in a tweet showing every possession, whether the game was within one score or the Chiefs were, you know, leading by one score, tied or trailing in the fourth quarter this year. They've had 10 possessions. They have only scored a touchdown on one of those possessions. They've only scored total on three of them. They've kicked two other field goals. And two of those have ended in game-ending interceptions. So you've scored you've thrown an interception to end the game more than you've scored touchdowns on meaningful drives in the fourth quarter this year. That's not good. And to expand on that, I was looking into Mahomes' fourth quarter stats, comparing them to previous seasons. This is where it gets interesting, Stag. So this year, Mahomes has a 56% completion rate in the fourth quarter. It's the lowest of any rate he has of any quarter this year. And compared to the last two seasons, each of the last two seasons he's had at least 10% higher of a completion percentage in the fourth quarter. He has one touchdown to three interceptions in the fourth quarter this year. If you look at the last two years combined in the fourth quarter, he had 22 touchdowns to four interceptions. So he already almost has as many fourth quarter interceptions as he's had the last two seasons combined this year. And he also has a 54.9 passer rating in the fourth quarter. It's the lowest of any other quarter or lowest of any quarter the the lowest uh, other quarter is 106.2. So it's that much of a drop off from the second uh worst quarter. And the last two seasons in the fourth quarter he's had at least 115 passer rating, which is the best of any quarter through both those years. So it's it's something that I test we already know, we already knew as, about Mahomes, but he always seemed to have played his best in the fourth quarter in those situations. The stats show it this year. The possessions show it this year. That has not been the case, and it's definitely something that needs to improve uh, before, obviously, it gets down to crunch time, and they really need it to be uh, to win the games.
6: Uh, right then, let's talk about the Chiefs at the Niners, Levi Stadium. Uh, the Niners did they've, they've had a bit of a rough season, yeah. uh, to be fair, because uh, their strength of schedule has it's probably one of the weakest that i've seen especially the first few weeks mm-hmm. and looking at their previous games i mean they've had some they've had a real bad time and it's surprising really i i i'm i feel surprised by it because of the players and the talents the, the talent they've got mm-hmm. um and i can't really kind of put my finger on what the hell it is that's making this team implode but they have steadily been getting better i mean um steadily in the stats department I, mean, um, I to look at the stats. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo who I said gets the job done a few a few episodes ago. Um he he has been kind of eking those stats out a little bit more each time, each week. Um and but it's 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 almost like to no avail, isn't it, really? Because no matter what they seem to do, they seem to implode. Um, I mean the, yeah, They're not they're imploding, and, Brad. Like they're, they're yeah. three and three, but I mean but they've got there's a couple of games that really
7: have you seen how many players they've had out injured this yeah, year. Yeah, but like if you right okay let's right let's go through the 49ers injuries, right? Okay. And on, let's... let's 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 go through their injuries and let's name the Chiefs equivalent of said player. And then imagine if the Chiefs lost these players, right? Quarterback Trey Lance. So the Chiefs lose Patrick Bones. Obviously, it's not in the same... Obviously, it's not in the same... But you know what I mean? Running back, Elijah Mitchell, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You'd be happy about that, but you know,
6: uh, you still... <laughs> I would be me. happy about uh, it. Right. Tight
7: end, Tyler Croft. So tight end two. So let's say they lose Blake Bell. Okay, the Chiefs lost Blake Bell. Yeah. Left tackle, Trent Williams, the Chiefs lose Orlando Brown. I'd be pretty happy about that.
6: He's not quite wealthy in this Tom. <laughs> yeah. not um, a
7: good
6: argument here. Right,
7: right tackle, Mike McGlinchey. Okay, yeah, again, Andrew White. But, you know, <laughs> this is anyway. going
6: so bad.
7: on the defensive side of things is probably where it's like a little bit more yeah. like relevant, okay? Yeah. Defensive end, Nick Bosa. Okay, so... Long. Okay, fair one. Right. Fair so, one. Let's say, say Kyle Aftis is out, right? Yeah. Um... Then
4: uh, see, Jordan not, Willis comparing Jordan,
7: with, no, 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 with, no, 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 but um, this, this is what I'm saying, like about yeah. losing the starters, right? Well. Defensive end, Jordan Willis. Okay, like, let, let's say that's Frank Clark, uh, defensive tackle, Eric Armstead, Chris Jones. All oh, right, yeah, cornerback, yeah. Emmanuel Mosley, Trent McDuffie, cornerback, Charverus yeah. Ward, Richard Fenton, cornerback, Jason Verrett, Legere Need, safety, Jimmy Ward, one Thornhill. Now, imagine if the Chiefs lost all of those players. And we they almost free-
2: have. We almost yeah, have, though. That's the imagine,
7: problem. Imagine if we were free and free and we lost all those players. You, you would be singing from the rooftops about how great Andy Reid and Brett Veach are, about depth and how well they've done. I think it is a miracle that the 49ers are free and free and that they are still well in contention of the uh, NFC West. On their day and when they're fit, with that squad, with that roster, And that coach, especially that coach, this team are amazing. And they've just been flat out unlucky. Fortunately for them, a lot of these injuries aren't long term. They could, they will be back this year. And I just hope for the 49ers' sake, because I think football's better when the 49ers are a good team, by the way. I hope for their sake that when they do eventually all come back fit and healthy, they're, they're not too far behind to the point where they can't get them back in, themselves into mm. playoff contention. Like I want the 49ers in the NSC playoffs because I think on their day, they're an extremely entertaining team to watch. The way they run the football is better than I've seen any team do it for the last few years. So, yeah, I, I like the 49ers. I just think you're being extremely hard on them to say, oh, they're a bit of a shambles because they're free and free with that injury list.
6: I I'm, well, they i they have been, been a bit there. of a shambles. I mean well one of the wins they had was against the Panthers. Oh, come on, everybody's beating the Panthers at the minute. <laughs> I, don't
7: yeah. I don't know. I just don't know like they've they've had everything to deal with. They obviously the the Trey Lance injury was like mad, and obviously I hope he comes back and obviously off his ankle dislocation. Yeah, I hope he'd be fine. But they've had Jimmy G to bring back into it.
6: Just, He's been just, getting better, Jimmy G. Yeah, I think he's He's been better. steadily <laughs> getting better. So, I mean, whether it's because, you know, they are probably starting to get a few your player back now and again, but, uh, you know, he's, he's steadily getting better. He's steadily, steadily getting in the swing of things again. And um, But we have, put it this way, in the rankings, we have them pretty high in the rankings. We have the
7: 49ers ninth in our power ninth? Rankings. Yeah, and that's because I think that's down to both because we know how good they are, will be when they're all back and the, the fact that they're putting up a respectable season and sitting at 500 with what's going on. They deserve all the kudos. They're there again. I think, I think you're being extremely harsh on them.
6: Mr. Simcox. Ah, I think you're very, very generous for ninth. Jeez. <laughs> no chance. I'm just checking a, a, a score line here. Cause I think I've got it wrong here. Yes, I did. I got, I got them down here. I actually wrote it down wrong. I had them at the beginning of the season, 17 and zero. Against the uh, the Texans and then 19 and zero against the uh, the Bears, but it was 19-10. So uh, yeah, a little bit harsh on that point, on that front. But um, I mean, like, okay, let's let's look at what they have got. Let's look <laughs> at the let's let's yeah. let's look at the key players that they have got because yeah. you know when you look at the players like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um and an Ayuk. Yeah, exactly. He, he actually had a really good game last game. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him credit there. He was he was uh you know was, he's probably the guy to watch in this more than anyone, I think, is Ayuk. Um but um Debo Samuel is he's a phenomenal dual threat. Yeah. Um you know, you know he, he's rushing and he's is his pass catching. He's such an unpredictable player, is Debo Samuel. And mm-hmm. That's the thing that kind of worries me the most out of this. So he's one of my key players in this, obviously, clearly. Um, Would you say Ayuk is yours or would you say, would you go for somebody somebody else
7: here? It depends who they just have around in the football, to be honest, because that's that's always been the good thing about the 49ers, is like, especially the year that they met us in the Super Bowl. They they seem to just have like running back after running back after running back. It just didn't seem to matter. They managed to run over any team. And uh, if I'm the Chiefs, by going off the last two defensive performances, especially against the run, I'm a little bit com- uh, concerned about this. What, what you're hoping for is that maybe the because the 49ers don't possess like the passing... Potential that say the, the Raiders and obviously the Bills had, that the Chiefs may be able to key in on the run game a little bit. But I'll be interested to see how the Chiefs do react to the 49ers if they just decide to actually, right, we're just going to put this ball in whoever's belly it is and we're just going to let them run, try and run all over the Chiefs. And that's what they've done in the Super Bowl against us. They've done that very well in the Super Bowl against us. The reason why the 49ers lost that Super Bowl was two reasons. One of them was Patrick Mahomes. And the other reason was the fact that the 49ers just abandoned the run altogether and you must imagine that, that, that you've got to imagine that that sits in the back of Kyle Shanahan's mind a little bit that must keep him up at nights at the time because they had that game in hand they the super bowl was in hand for mm-hmm. the 49ers but for whatever reason they just abandoned what they had done well all of that season and just said, actually we're not going to do this in crunch time similar to what like the chiefs have been doing in, in later games recently <laughs> abandoning what they're good at yeah. but i can imagine that Kyle Shanahan will look to implement that game plan going forward this weekend. And especially if we've got the same sort of players on the field and those players will still be hurting. Jimmy G played that night. George Kittle played that night. Brandon Ayuk played that night. Some of the offensive line played that night. Some of the defensive players played that night. Fred Warner played that night. There's going to be plenty of players on that 49ers side of the field that are going to just be like, Itching for revenge and looking to right the wrongs that night, similar to what we did a couple of weeks ago in Tampa. Mm. It's not gonna, it's not gonna completely heal those wounds, but it's gonna help them get get over it a little bit. So you've got that extra bit of motivation. So yeah, overall, I think you're looking at this nice team. You're thinking oh, if they really commit to the run, the Chiefs have a problem on Sunday.
2: Do,
6: do you think they actually will treat this as a revenge game or anything to try and generate some kind of energy in that locker room?
7: They've got energy in the locker room already, Brad. <laughs> That you don't you don't win three games out of six with that injury list if you haven't got the right mindset in that locker room.
6: Yeah, that that injury. This game
7: surely adds some more spice to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely, it will do. You'd be mad to think it doesn't. Like we saw it with the Chiefs firsthand a couple of weeks ago that they used that the Super Bowl as fuel to absolutely destroy the Bucks. I'm sure the, the Niners will come in uh, with a similar sort of mindset. I'm, I'm sure they're not saying, oh, we want to destroy the Chiefs because they know it's probably not realistic. But yeah. there's certainly probably a little bit more added motivation for them to beat the Chiefs considering what happened in Miami what, two and a half years
6: ago. Do the 49ers have enough in their in their pass rush here to actually really kind of upset the chiefs in this game. It, it, is this something that we should really be concerned about in this, especially against a weakened defense in the 49ers? It
7: depends if Nibosa plays or not, doesn't it?
3: He's in contention.
7: He he's, he's in contention to play. He's only, he, he is in contention to return against the chiefs. And we will like, I don't we'll like what happened in the Super Bowl. Like he was, dominant in the Super Bowl. And that Him was against, against Wiley. Sports. Can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. men against yeah. boys. <laughs> yeah. It really was. Um now, against the, the Falcons, the 49ers only got two sacks. But yeah. it was hard for them to get sacks because the Falcons just weren't throwing the football. The Falcons threw the football 14 times. Yeah. And yeah. They, they ran the ball 40 times. So there was a clear plan from the 49 uh, from the Falcons that all they were interested in doing was running the ball down the uh, the 49ers' throat. And we're sitting here saying, oh, we kind of want the Chiefs to establish to run a little bit. Maybe they, sh- maybe this is a game for them to do it, to try and get some rhythm again. Like We've seen that they can commit to a run for quite a quite a substantial amount of time before in games, but mm. it happens few and far between. Like, the, the, <laughs> I'm just looking at these running attempts for... For the Falcons like two of their running backs had fifteen or more running attempts. Like can you imagine that? Like seeing Andy Reid just calling up 16 runs for Clyde and 15 runs for Isaiah Pacheco on S <laughs> on, on Sunday. Running it,
6: boys. Just keep running yeah I it. just
7: I just I can't see it. Mario had six running attempts himself. Like yeah I personally don't want to give Fred Warner any opportunity to, to hit Patrick Mahomes for a running attempt. But um yeah especially I'll,
6: with his history with him yeah yeah
7: <laughs> yeah exactly. um I I d I, I don't know the, the I think the 49s defence will get home because to sit here and say that they won is like kind of arrogant, considering how badly Orlando Brown and <laughs> or Andrew Wiley played on Sunday. But then yeah. you can look at it from the other side and go, actually, maybe they're going to have a bounce back game. Maybe Andy Heck and Andy Reid's going to be on their case that much that they turn into some protection gods on like on Sunday. I don't know, but if Nick Bosa plays, I worry. <laughs> I do worry because <laughs> yeah. we've seen firsthand what that guy can do to Chiefs right tackles and how he can spook my homes a little bit so yeah
6: I, I'm kind of hoping that Nick Bosa sits out another week personally yeah, well yeah I would as well because uh, we both saw it uh, at the Super Bowl and, and just while we're on this you've got a lovely picture behind you there of uh, me and you at the Super Bowl there mate that's lovely It's okay. memories <laughs> that, that picture is actually in my cabinet and it's the only picture I've got of you in my cabinet
7: i've got a p- i've got the same picture in my office as well oh
6: yeah oh yeah. that's sweet eh? yeah uh, i
7: was gonna say i've got it next to my bed and i look at you every night before i go to sleep but you know
6: well yeah i mean i would admit that as well <laughs> <laughs>
7: anyway I might, I might replace the picture of my kids in my wallet of me and you <laughs> in <the Super> Bowl. <laughs> who's that that's my boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> this
6: was our wedding my life partner <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, you know, if, if Nick Bosa comes back, that's a big, big problem for us. Um, yeah. And you can't see Andy Reid going to a run game when you've got Patrick Mahomes yeah. uh, as your quarterback either, can you? So the temptation there to use Mahomes too much in the passing yeah. game is is going to be there. Um,
7: i tell you what the Chiefs should do is they should really test their receivers and just put them one-on-one one against Charvarius Ward. Because that's what we done whenever we had Chavaris Ward playing. We always yeah. says, "I say, yeah, go Chavaris Ward. Go and cover Jamar Chase one on one. See how you get on with that." Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what we should do to to Charverius Ward. Let, let, let that be like the measuring stick of our receivers. Like, if you have got MVS and you put them up against Chavaris Ward, and I like Chavaris Ward, he's a very good servant for the Chiefs, but we all know that he struggled in one on one coverage against very good receivers well let's see how good our receivers are go on mbs you had a rubbish game against the bills go 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 play one-on-one against Ward and see how you get on against him and if he comes away with it empty-handed you might as well just bench him and start playing sky more and more often
8: let's get in this grab bag we are uh having some fun here on chief's coast to coast appreciate y'all rocking with us if you got comments questions concerns we'll get to those at the end of the show we got a couple of voicemails that we'll get to later in the pod as well. Voicemails. Yeah, voicemails. Y'all been rocking with us on the voicemail line. It's a little different. I know a lot of people wondering where the spaces are. I even text Mark. I was like, right after the game, I was like, well, it wasn't right after the game. but It was like seven hours after the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to give y'all the space. A lot of people have been clamoring for the space. Mark, this was one of the few times that, I mean, we got to mark this down in history. Mark Gunnels could not go into space. He was preoccupied. That's crazy, man. It was like 11
0: o'clock at night. It was like 1 o'clock your time.
8: <laughs> uh, I got to look back. I don't know if it was that late, but, it, it you know, I have a responsibility. I have duties for, for, for KSHB 41 that I have to perform. And then by the time I finally get home and, you know, get in the mode where I want to do a space, it, it was a little late. Well, I figured you were on the West Coast, you know. <laughs>
0: Hey man, I have to wake up early. I have to work in the morning,
8: man. We'll get to y'all on the spaces, I promise. But in the meantime, if you want to tap in with us on the show, leave a voicemail. 816-514-1267 is the line. We got a couple of those coming up later in the show, but the grab bag starts with that three-letter name that you mentioned before. And this is it's, it's about that time in the year, right? The weather's turning. The leaves are changing. And Odell Beckham is looking for a new home. And allegedly, the Kansas City Chiefs are high on his list.
0: If you can't tell, I'm pretty giddy right now. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You know, I love these skilled position players. I love these receivers. You know, I'm all for giving Mahomes as many weapons as possible. Go get OBJ. Hashtag OBJ2KC. Make it happen. Look. Any chance you get to improve this team and any chance you get to make Mahomes happy, you do it. OBJ, I mean, he's come off the ACL. I get it. But he's going to be very cheap. He shouldn't cost that much. You're only going to have him for maybe six to eight games, uh, maybe a little bit more, including including the playoffs. I think you make it happen. He's been flirting on Twitter. People have been saying Bills are Chiefs. He's responding. Did you see the emoji
8: under- thing today? He like tweeted yeah, like, e- he's, <laughs> the emoji. <laughs> it's cryptic tweet season. Oh, I, I hate it.
0: Make it happen, man, because he adds an, another dimension to this offense. He's a guy that can take the ball and he gets a lot of yak, right? He's not Tyreek Hill. Nobody's Tyreek Hill, but he does bring kind of that type of element to your offense, considering he's still going to be that same guy. Look what he did for the Rams last year. He took their offense to a totally different level, and they already had Cooper Cup. We already have Travis Kelsey. So Kelsey's going to be the possession guy in the middle of the field. OBJ is capable of taking it over the top, taking the top off the defense. And I think for him, it makes perfect sense because you come to a team where you're looking as OBJ, in his mind, he's like, I'll be the best receiver in this receiving room. Now, will that be true? I'm not sure. But in his mind, I'm sure he's thinking that. You go to Buffalo, you're clearly behind Stefan Diggs, and even Gabe Davis may have an argument because he's been looking really good. So you come here, you got Travis Kelsey, and you have the offensive mind in Andy Reid, right? I think that's very enticing, and then obviously playing with Patrick Mahomes. So I think it makes a lot of sense for him to come to Kansas City. I never thought it was possible until lately because we talked about this earlier in the season.
8: We were yeah, like training camp. It felt like we yeah like, OBJ oh, using the door open.
0: He's not gonna be on Westport. He's not gonna be at L House. He's not gonna be on the Plaza. But now I think it's a real chance because the Rams are a complete mess. Why would he want to return back to that? And who knows what the record is going to be at that point? And I will say this: rumors are saying that they lowballed him. They haven't gave their last offer yet. He's not going to return until mid November, late November. Guess who the Chiefs play on
8: November twenty seventh? Who's that, Mark? The
0: LA Rams. Perfect story.
8: I don't have much to add to it. I'll add this from Aaron Wilson on Twitter. Chiefs regarded as a strong contender for veteran free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. Per league sources, as he contemplates options, continues to make steady progress in his recovery from a torn ACL. Potential connection between OBJ and Patrick Mahomes. Is intriguing. It's like Groundhog's Day around Kansas City. We had this exact same conversation around this exact same time or a little bit later last year. Kansas City's wide receiver options were good, but could they be better? Odell was flirting. Odell was talking to all the top teams. And Kansas City's always seemingly in the mix. When you have 15 as your quarterback and Travis Kelsey out there as well, and you've got the championship pedigree and the mind of Andy Reid, as you mentioned, you're always going to be in that mix for top free agents veteran free agents. We know what this is. This is a six-week deal. This is an eight-week deal. This is a come for the playoffs. This is get healthy and play your role. We'll simplify the offense down for you to be able to come in and contribute. But my two pushbacks are at what cost? Do you cut Sky Moore's production? Do you cut Sky Moore's confidence in him building up back into his role in his offense by bringing in an Odell, be- Odell Beckham? Do you signal to, to oh, McCole Hardman that, you know, maybe this isn't a long-term home for you, that we're still trying to figure out who can fill the production of that role in that offense? Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to say, and this is all kicked off by Kelsey restructuring, and he's been killing the podcast game too, man. That, that, that hey. show, the clips are everywhere. He uh he, he knows what he's doing, and um kudos to him for restructuring that deal. I think it was like three and a half mil or something like that. And he mentioned that hey, something's in the air. If it's not obj is somebody, uh Brett Veach is working.
0: And yeah, I got more to add to this. Yeah, like you said, the easy answer is McCole Hartman, right? There's no reason at this point we're what year four? This year four for Hartman On track we're year. Still, we're still having these kind of communication issues with Mahomes and maybe running the wrong routes and not being at the right spot at the right time. Why are we still having that? And in his limited opportunities, Sky Moore is making the most of it. He had a nice catch on Sunday for about 20 yards. I I think the easy answer would be McColl because after this year, I truly believe that they're going to let him walk and they're going to cut ties. So they don't have to feel obligated to him moving forward or even this year because they, in their mind, I'm I'm imagining that he's going to be gone after this season. I think the priority will be to resign Juju out of those two guys We have to pick one. And not to mention, think about this. The last two guys that the Chiefs got that said no the first time ended up being a Chief. Remember Melvin Ingram?
8: And Juju. Yeah.
0: And Juju. It's hard to say no to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes twice. So keep that in mind.
9: All right, we do, uh, we do this every week um, when the Chiefs have the ball. And, look, I know there are going to be some people who don't want to hear this, and I'm sure this is going to be clipped as a video, and I don't care. Now, there are going to be some who, oh, shut up. So, what are you talking about? Listen, when the Chiefs get the ball, and this is something that I would like to see improved moving forward, they've got to find a way to get McCole Hardman more involved. I know some it's people don't want to really hear this. Long John Out Pass. dramatic effect. it was. And I don't want you to keep it dramatic. Is McCole Hardman? I I and and listen. He caught three balls, a touchdown last week, for over forty yards on four targets. And I'm sorry, man. That's that's not good enough. And I don't know who it who it has to be. All right, Pat. And 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 McColl had to get on the same page, and 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 Andy and Eric, whoever it is, I know that that McColl has to to be on this, got to earn his trust type of deal. Well, and then we need to bury that because this year McColl Hardman has played well. Look, he ain't going to be perfect, and he's not Tyreek. Okay, now you people over there who are the, who are putting up the video of the one target that he didn't catch on the sideline, uh that that I think he probably could have caught. Okay, listen, like I said, he's not going to make every catch, right? He's not going to be Tyreek, but is it too much to think like you try to get what the the Ravens and what the Cardinals are trying to get out of Hollywood Brown? Right, like uh, Hollywood Brown has had productive seasons and down the field and gotten balls and gotten touches. I think that's how it's got to be because when you look at this group and the thing that gets complained about, and I think sometimes it's valid, is that the Chiefs wide receivers don't get a level of separation that that they need to get. Well, the person in the wide receiving group that we see week after week consistently that gets the best and the most separation is McCole Hardman. And I know by God, you and VK have tried to drag Sky Moore, <laughs> drag him to the forefront, and That's now the Patrick, he's the
1: best wide receiver on the team.
9: You, you still do that, and there is nothing, not a thing, not a thing that proves that, <laughs> not not one piece of evidence, right? Uh, Pat's throwing interceptions to him at the end of the game for the, for balls. He had no business throwing, but nobody's creating more separation than him. You saw it. The first drive, I said, oh, they, they can't cover him one-on-one. He, he's getting big-time separation, easy throws, for Patrick Mahomes, and on the first drive, bam, these are big plays, first down plays, 20-plus yard plays, and you're like, oh, this is something they're going to look at again. He got four targets for the game, and he caught a tough ball for a touchdown uh, you know, in the end zone where he took a hit and caught a ball where, frankly, I, I don't know that I was confident that McColl would be able to catch in the past. He has earned this year the right to be trusted and targeted more. And to be honest, for this team, it's what they need to do. Nobody – like Juju, God bless his soul, he made a big play and bounced off people, but Juju is not creating the level of separation that he is. He's been – and him and Pat, and I've said this on this podcast, something's off on them down the field, and I'm sure 100% of the time, it's McColl. 100%. percent we just <laughs> You know, even though there was one time he was butt naked against the Bucs, streaking down the middle of the field, but he didn't make himself, he didn't have a neon sign up loud enough for, for him to go, so he threw it to Justin Watson. But whatever it is, they've got to feature him more because he is getting separation, and they are missing out on big plays. And I know some people don't want to hear it. And I know people want to go with MVS and Sky more, but right now he's got to get more than four targets a game. I don't really
1: know what else myself and Brandon Kylie can do on this podcast to give McCall Hardman credit. We've already done it multiple times this season. McCall is having a fine year. like he he is making plays and he does look better this season than he has in the past. he's he's having a good year for a player that is in a contract season. He needs to step up. While I still think the answer is Sky Moore, give him more play and let him get involved and make plays. And I think he is the most talented wide receiver on the roster. If they're not going to do that, the answer is McCall Hardman because. Juju's fine. Like, we know exactly who Juju is. Yes, he had over 100 yards last week. He had the long touchdown. That was a fluke play where he broke a tackle and, and was able to spring free. Like, that's not going to happen every week. And Juju is just a possession wide receiver, he's a chain mover. We know exactly who Juju Smith Schuster is now that he is that guy. He's kind of like Dwayne Bow. Like, he is not a streaker. He's not going to run down the field. He is a chain mover.
9: And he's good MBS. to have. And he's good to have, right? He's and, good to and, have.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's he's reliable. He doesn't drop a lot of passes. Like he he's gonna run the route the way that he it needs to be run. Like he, he's gonna be in the spot where you need him to be. MVS should be losing playing time. Like MVS, I know he had a solid game a couple of weeks ago. He's just looks exactly like the guy who was in green Bay. Like he's not consistent. He's not going to be consistent. He's not, but he's, he's not even doing that because at least in green Bay, he was just, you know, every couple of games, MVS 60 yard touchdown, you know, three, four games go by MVS 70 yard touchdown. He's not even doing that for the Kansas city chiefs and he's wildly inconsistent. So I would like to see, McCole get more more work in the offense, more looks. Though I I just don't know if the trust is there with Patrick Mahomes, as we've seen multiple times this season. Well, he's got to get, get like over see that. Man. Sky Moore get involved uh, more in the offense because I do think that Sky Moore is talented and should get more opportunities sooner rather than later. I I just don't understand why we're still trotting MVS out there getting sixty seventy percent of the snaps every week when he might be the worst starting wide receiver on the team.
9: I listen. I don't I don't have a problem with sky Moore getting more action They're, they've been doing it he has been getting more action but i mean i i i, I legit ask you this and you've been somebody's who been i think very very hard on McCole Hardman. some fair some just not and bk's in another stratosphere right, <laughs> right? bk and i'll pull i'll pull the he's carpet. he's
1: fine back. nicola is a fine player I'll, he's a fine i'll pull down. the
9: carpet back B, bk uh he, he actually crit, was critical of the way he caught the touchdown pass, <laughs> and literally responded in a tweet sky Moore would have called it cleaner and I mean it's just like what do we do with here like so so bk's in Is another another true. place no i I don't I didn't see any Bible but whatever <laughs> uh, he's in a different place like he he hopes he doesn't do well I, I'm convinced of that but you weren't sitting there watching that game thinking man there Where's McCole at? Now I know it's hard for you, but I, I but like that first drive. Yeah, drives, you literally text drives. Yeah. You text the first drive, ooh, this is McCole's, McCole's day, McCole's drive. And it's like, how like how is that? And we don't go, we don't go adventure that again. Right. And and like I'm thinking to myself, like two plays that jump out. And 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 I just I'm not saying to do it all the time, but just we talk, we know about the long play Juju, Juju got his touchdown, but there was another play where Juju on a on a, a RPO caught a ball coming across. That was another big play for him, but he got tackled. You know, if if that if that's McColl on that play, that's to the house. They, I don't know if you know the play that I'm talking about. If that's McColl open field, and granted, if he catches it, if that's McColl open field. That, that's going to the house, bad heel and everything. And I'm just saying he should get some of those opportunities. Now, I know I want to be fair, and I left one out. They tried to throw a wide receiver screen that uh, that 077 did a horrific job uh, cut blocking that, just, that he just jumped up and knocked down. So they tried in that fashion. But I just think like four targets, and even you want to add that one, five attempted targets. In this one with MVS, with Sky Moore, like I will, Juju is the only person because I think he's more of a middle of the field safety valve, is the only wide receiver. Obviously, we know Travis gets the most, but Juju is the only wide receiver yeah. right now that I think it's acceptable that we're getting more targets to than McCollard.
1: And they're missing you know, out and- on the plays. MVS only had three targets last week. He had eight the week before, which was by far his best game where he had 90 receiving yards. I I agree with you. Like, I don't think there should be a game the rest of the season where MVS out targets McCole Hardman. I do think McCole gives you more offensively and gives you more opportunities for the big plays, which is something that this offense has been missing. So Travis Kelsey should lead you in targets every week. McCole Hardman probably should be number two or Juju Smith Schuster because he is that reliable safety valve. And then, let's get sky more and more involved so he's ready to take over as the top wide receiver on the team by the playoffs
9: as we're talking about when the chiefs get the... <laughs> Jeez, god man when the chiefs get the ball i i don't want to i don't we don't have to spend a lot of time on this i just would like to say this hey guys look man can you can we get a level of consistency in any way with the run game right i, I mean you, i mean you'll just have these horrific like this last 60 yards like, Come on. I mean, it was just like I listen, I, I'm not expecting you to come out and do what you did to Tampa, although if you're capable of doing that against the best front seven, arguably in football, well, damn it, you should be able to be able to, to do that more often. But Lord have mercy, can there be some sort of a, a middle ground, not sixty yards like you did Sunday against Buffalo? Is there a way we could we could jump up to a hundred? Can we consistently crack a hundred yards rushing up for this team? I, I I just want to see some level of consistency from the run game because the the way that it comes and goes is just, you don't know what you're getting from the first, from, 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 from game to game and just some level of consistency. That's all I ask.
1: Yeah. Our guy Ron cop lead analyst at Arrowhead pride did a great article this week about the chiefs fourth quarter offense and their struggles. And and noted, and it had to do with the defensive struggles in the fourth quarter too, but noted that a lot of this has to do with the Chiefs not being able to control the clock in the fourth quarter with the run game. And so I agree, it's got to be more consistent. You got to find ways to utilize this offensive line where we know the tackles are a problem, but the interior of the offensive line is the best part of your offensive line. And we see the holes that this offensive line is opening up for these running backs when they're getting opportunities to make big plays we just have to see more of it. We have to be more consistent with it, and the Chiefs need to con- try to, c- to control the uh, clock a little bit more. I know they've been going on longer drives, but let's just see it more consistently and stop using Jarek McKinnon in short-yardage
9: situations. That, that is that is the most annoying thing that happens on the field every week. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is so annoying. He is hell-bent, and I don't know who the he is. I'm sure with Chiefs fans, many of you, since it's bad, it's got to be Eric. Uh, but I don't I don't know who the he is, but they've got to stop that thing. Uh, so whoever it is is hell bent on Jarek McKinnon scoring and being successful in short yardage, even though he continues to show he's not. I would I will I'll put it on Andy and Eric though. I think what I've noticed now, and, and I'm sure many people here have as well, they are they are really predictable in their run game. Like especially they're they're in guns so much. Like, they, they're running – like, it, it's not hard to diagnose what the Chiefs are doing. And their run game doesn't have a lot of sense of creativity. And to be honest, when you look at what happened to the, to the 49ers last week, and granted, they had some guys out, a lot of guys out. Like, the Falcons, which is the complete opposite of the Chiefs, the Falcons, their run game is like the Niners' run game. It, it's not predictable. You don't know what it's – what's what it's going to be you don't know if Mariota. they had backup backs running backs in there uh so I, I i would i would that's something that i would challenge andy and eric and, and i guess matt Nagy too